Book Seven, Chapter Ten of the Boys and Girls Pliny by Pliny the Elder. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by phone. Storks and Swans. Up to the present time, it has not been ascertained from what place the storks come, or whither they go when they leave us. There can be no doubt but that, like the cranes, they come from a very great distance the cranes being our winter the storks our summer guests when about to take their departure the storks assemble at a stated place and are particularly careful that all shall attend so that not one of their kind may be left behind with the exception of such as may be in captivity or tamed and then on a certain day they set out as though they were by some law directed to do so no one has ever yet seen a flight of cranes taking their departure although they have been often observed preparing to depart and in the same way too we never see them arrive both their departure and their arrival take place in the night in some of the vast plains of asia they assemble together keep up a gabbling noise and tear to pieces the one that happens to arrive the last after which they take their departure after the middle of august they are never by any accident to be seen there some writers assure us that the stork has no tongue so highly are they esteemed for their utility in destroying serpents that in thessaly it was a capital crime for any one to kill a stork and by the laws the same penalty was inflicted for it as for homicide geese and swans travel in a similar manner but are seen to take their flight the flocks forming a point like a harrow much after the manner of our liburnian beaked galleys move along with great impetus being thus able to cleave the air more easily than if they presented to it a broad front the flight gradually enlarges in the rear in the form of a wedge presenting a vast surface to the breeze as it impels them onward those that follow place their necks on those that go before while the leading birds as they become weary fall to the rear storks return to their former nests and the young in their turn support their parents when old it is stated that at the moment of the swan's death it gives utterance to a mournful song but this is an error in my opinion Footnote m Mauduy, in a learned discussion many pages in length satisfactorily shows that this is not entirely fabulous but that the wild swan of the northern climates really is possessed of a tuneful note or cadence of course the statement that it only sings just before its death must be rejected as fabulous End of footnote. these birds will eat the flesh of one another End of Book 7, Chapter 10